You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 17 tonight. The story of David and Goliath. Remember that Saul has become king. He's a man of the flesh. He's a man of the world. He's the worldly choice for leadership and kingship. And he proves that out as he becomes successful, famous, established. We find that he becomes very prideful. And no longer does he make God his king, but he becomes his own king. He puts himself on the throne of his own heart. He's disobedient to God. He sets up a monument to himself. And he is rejected as king. Although not immediately. But at the same time, David then is anointed by Samuel to be the next king. This young shepherd boy. Despised even by his family not even considered as a possibility to be anointed as king, brought to Samuel and anointed as king. The Holy Spirit then is grieved by Saul and departs from him, no longer upon him for the anointing of the kingship. He is lifted from Saul and instead in the vacuum, a distressing spirit has come upon him. But David, on the other hand, receives the anointing of the Holy Spirit for his calling to be the next king of Israel. And we're going to see that very evident. We've already seen it evident in his life. As remember last week, we learned that he was called to play the harp and to minister to Saul. And the distressing spirit would be dispelled from him as this Holy Spirit-filled man, uh, David would play the harp and worship God. Now tonight, we're going to see how David continues in his anointing, and, and it is very supernatural as you know the story. We get to the story of David and Goliath. So we're in 1 Samuel verse, um, chapter 17, Starting at verse 1, it says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sacco, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sacco and Azka in Ephes Damum. Verse 2, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. I have a couple of slides I want to show you. Let's see if we've got the first one here. David and Goliath, the miraculous battle showdown. You can see the Valley of Elah here. And there are hills on either side of the Valley of Elah. And as you're looking at the screen on the left-hand side, that hill is where the children of Israel would be encamped. And then on the other side of the valley, on the right side, is where the Philistines would be encamped. Remember that the Philistines are the ongoing enemies of Israel. Really, as we look at it, representing our battle against the flesh, the devil, 
in the world. Now, verse 3, it says, The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That would be nine and a half feet. Now, this word champion in the Hebrew it's benaim, and it means space between, because Goliath stood between the armies, but he represented the armies of the Philistines. And he goes out, it says, to challenge them, as we're going to get in a minute. But I want to show you a picture real quick. This is really interesting. This is Robert Pershing Wal- uh, Wadlow. He actually grew to be 8 feet 11 inches, 439 pounds. He died in 1940 at age 22. So here's a modern day example of somebody who reached that height. Now he did have a a disease that caused him to never stop growing. In fact, at 22, he was continuing to grow when he died. But this is about how tall Goliath would have been. But Goliath was part of a group of people called the Anakim, mentioned in the Bible, meaning long necks. They were giants. And they were giants not because of a disease, but they naturally grew to be very tall, and therefore they would have athletic abilities like other people would. So the best thing we have today in comparison is our professional basketball players and perhaps volleyball players that grow to be very tall and yet super athletic. It's just amazing to go to one of those games, isn't it? I mean, we watch it on TV, but if you go to a game live and you see these men and how huge they are, and yet they're so athletic. Think of, think of Goliath like this, massive man, super strong, super tall, but also a man experienced, well-trained, proven in war. So a super athlete, not a guy that I think any of us would want to go up against. Verse 5, it says, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a a shield bearer went before him. So the armor with the weapons is estimated to weigh 150 to 200 pounds. This would be a very strong man to be able to walk around with so much weight on and still be agile for the battle. Verse 8, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. 
But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So he's calling out a champion from their side, saying instead of both armies clashing, fighting against each other and everybody dying, let's have two men representing each of our armies fight together. And whoever wins between them wins the whole battle. And that's what Goliath in his great pride and confidence is calling for. And then it says in verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. It would be like, let's go with LeBron James. LeBron James coming in and saying, all right, I want to go one-on-one on the court with one of you. Whoever wins gets your house. <laughs> Something like that. And so, obviously, that would be a terrifying thing, you know, to have to go up against LeBron James. And so, you know, all of the armies are just, they're afraid. They're terrified. And especially Saul. Because remember, Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Who's everybody going to look to to go out and fight Goliath now? Hey, Saul, you're the king. You're like the warrior of us all. Go ahead, buddy. And obviously, he's like, no thanks. <laughs> I'm not going up against this guy. He's also super afraid. You know, it's interesting because people will generally be a reflection of their leader. And if you have a scared, nervous, terrified leader, then that is going to transfer to the people. But if you have a leader who is standing up, being brave, who's confident in the Lord, then the people will follow. And that's why we've read time and time again that the people are all scared. They're coming up against the Philistines and, and they get afraid. And, and then Jonathan, right? He steps up with his armor bearer and does something miraculous as he distances himself from, from the fear, the contagious fear and doubt of Saul. And we might ask ourselves, where is Jonathan right now? Why isn't he stepping up? Bible doesn't say. We know he's there because this very day he and David become good friends. But we don't know why he wasn't stepping up. Perhaps Saul wouldn't let him. Or maybe God just put fear in him because God was like, I'm reserving this for somebody else, buddy. So he just wasn't getting that unction from the Holy Spirit to move out and have the courage to do it. But we read in verse 12, it says, Now David, the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. Verse 15, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. 
Remember that David was really spending time in Saul's court, and when called upon, he would come in with his harp and he would play, but he also had become Saul's armor bearer. And so now and then he would go back home, spend time, help out with the family, help out with the sheep, things like that. And then it says in verse 16, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. So there's this relentless presentation and challenge by Goliath. And the more that people resist their desire to do the brave thing, the courageous thing, the more the fear grips them and gets a hold of them. Verse 17, then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news to them of them. Verse 19, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. So this would be a very exciting moment for a guy like David, a young man who's got the Spirit of God on him, and who is a fighter type of person. He is not a flighter, but he is a fighter. And so to hear the battle, to hear the rattle of sabers and the shouts would have been thrilling for David. And then it says, verse 21, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, there's the excitement, (laughs) and came and greeted his brothers. Hey, what's up guys? Oh my gosh, this is amazing, how exciting. Verse 23, then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this? uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. You see, David was not interested in the rewards that were offered. He was interested in God, in the glory of God. He was interested in the name of God, his reputation. He was interested in the people of God. And how dare 
this Gentile, this uncircumcised Philistine, this godless man, how dare he insult my God and my country? I don't care about the rewards. I want this man to be quiet. And that is David's heart, and that is his attitude. David's focus is on the spiritual. He's not interested in the material reward, but in vindicating God and God's people. Verse 27, And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. Remember that Eliab is the firstborn of Jesse. He's the one that when Samuel saw him went, Surely this is the one, Lord. This is the guy who's tall and handsome and muscular and mighty looking. The guy who can win in battle. But instead, David was pulled from the fields where he was watching the sheep and right in front of Eliab and all the other brothers, he was anointed as the next king of Israel. We can only imagine what Eliab would be feeling in his pride. I know what I would be feeling in my pride and struggling with. So Eliab was probably struggling similarly. And now he hears David coming and talking smack about the Philistine. And what this does, guys, is when you have spent the last 40 days in terror, in cowardice, in fear, looking at the guy next to you hoping he'll go, but everybody's looking at you going, but you're Eliab. Look how tall and mighty you are. Why don't you go? I'm not going. You go. And then all of a sudden, little brother comes. Who is this Philistine? How dare he curse God and all of God's people? Let me at him. And he, and so here's his response. When he hears what David said, middle of verse 28, he says to David, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle and so we can see the jealousy in Eliab and also his misinterpretation of what's happening in David's heart he's interpreting David's confidence in the Lord and his indignation for what this Philistine is saying about God and about God's people, he's mistaking it for pride when actually it's confidence in God. And sometimes it's hard for us to tell the difference on the outside looking in. So we have to be careful not to judge. Be careful. If someone is confident in the Lord and has faith in what God is about to do, even with their own lives, think of Greg Laurie. A guy like Greg Laurie, who steps out on a stage with thousands and thousands of people there gathered. He had to choose when, when invited to start the Harvest Crusades to say, you know what? Yeah, God could use a guy like me, even a guy like me. 
And therefore, I will stand up and I will proclaim the gospel message and I will trust that God Almighty is going to do a great work and people will come down and people will get saved. And some people might look at that and go, look at that arrogant man thinking he's all that. But in reality, because we see the fruit of what he's doing, he has confidence in the Lord and in the gifting that God has given him. Friends, be confident in the Lord and be confident in the gifts that God has given you. And let's not be timid with our gifts, but let's lean in like David and trust the Lord and even be less defensive and more offensive. You kind of see the difference, can't you? Boy, I can feel it. There's some sermons I give where I'm feeling a little timid and, and stuff, and I just trust God with that. And like, hey, the word of God does not return to him void. And there's other sermons where I feel like, man, I'm leaning in, <laughs> you know? I'm leaning in. And so David is the lean-in kind of guy who attacks with confidence. And so Eliab here is a naysayer. And, you know, it, it's difficult. When you get naysayers, it's difficult not to cave to that, to start believing their lies. Yeah, big brother's right. Who am I? I'm just being prideful. I'm a prideful guy. Oh, forget it. I'm just going to go hand my cheese over and go home and watch my sheep. But no, this is what distinguishes David from others, despite big brother and his bullying and his verbal attack. He's like, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving forward. Verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? This is a good cause, David is saying. If there's any cause to fight for, it's this one. The enemy, the haters of God, defying the armies of God. I'm not going to let this go. Verse 30, then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So the word gets back to Saul that there's this young man out there who is showing a whole lot of confidence. And everybody else to this point has been terrified and won't even go near Saul. And Saul is dishing out more and more rewards, you know. Hey, I'm going to make you super wealthy. Nope, no takers. You can marry my daughter. No, she's not that great, Saul, sorry. You can, you, tax-free for the rest of your life. Not worth my life. And now we've got this young man who's speaking with confidence and with bravery, and it gets Saul's attention, so he calls for David. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Hey guys, quit being afraid. I'm here. (laughs) Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Man, you're a beginner, David. We just took you out of the fields watching sheep. You really think you can do this? 
Notice David's response. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. He's going down because he's defied the armies of the living God and God is not going to stand for that because God will share his glory with no man. They are poking God in the eye. Remember what the Bible says about that. Whoever touches you, said God, speaking of his children, touches the apple of my eye, pokes me in my pupil. And God is not going to stand for this, and David, in faith, knows it. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.